Thank you for that great music. Isn't it great? Uh, fantastic skills and talents. Um, you know, I, I noticed up there that the data projector's name was Optima. I think that was like stands for optimistic if it's going to work. Um, I'm so glad that we serve a God, though, that does work in our lives, don't you? You know, I remember sometimes we get told things, but we don't really pay attention to it until reality bites. My dad was trying to instruct me before in the purchase of my first car. He said, now, son, what you need is something economical and small because you're going off to Avondale College to study. You're not going to have a lot of money. So it needs to be economical and small. That's the kind of car you should be looking for. Well, my cousin, he, he went out and bought a 302 uh, V8 Windsor XY Ford Falcon. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got to get something. At least it's about the same size. And so um, I decided I was just going to ignore Dad's advice and buy the big car. And Simon, uh, you might remember the XB Ford Falcon brown honeycomb grill, the ragtop roof. Remember that? It had a bench seat in the front, which... Uh, no, we won't go on that story. Um, <coughs> but sure enough, I got partway through college, and guess where my car was parked? In the car park. And whose car do you think I went in? My mate, who had the little small car that was fuel economical, right? <laughs> we got to go around and do stuff while my car was parked. We often don't realise the importance of what we are hearing until reality bites. I pray that today that you might give yourself perhaps a little latitude to think, well, what if I took seriously what I'm about to hear? I remember sitting in my office at the Nunawading Adventist Church Convention campground. I was working in the youth department at the time. I remember one day sitting there in the office and I checked out my calendar and I saw this absolute tsunami of things that was coming down the pipeline. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, I'm already burnt out. I'm in my second year already. I've got so many things that are coming down the pipeline here. How am I going to manage? How am I going to survive this? It's just too much. And I realised in that moment that if I didn't change... If I didn't do something different, that I was finished, I was done, out for the count, how could I be a change maker and remain a change maker if I don't change something? I have to change. It's not always easy to change though, is it? not always easy to change and we all tend to be a little bit resistant to change but some of us a little more than others to be changed you have to have an attitude of openness to change 
Because if you don't have that attitude of openness to change, that you're in trouble. Put your hand up if you've looked at pictures of yourself from 10 years ago. Okay, so if you're five, just think five years ago, okay? All right. And then you look through the decades, you go back in 10-year increments, and now I can do that for at least three decades, plus another two decades of it, but close to, right? Um, but you see the changes, don't you? Whoever has looked at someone else's failure, boy, I haven't aged well. <laughs> Whew, look at them. And you look at yourself, you go, man, I'm doing all right. But then there's the odd occasion where you get a, a reality check and you, you, you go past a mirror in your house, go, oh, who's that? And you realise, oh, that's me. <laughs> Let's do a quick poll. Put your hand up if you know somebody that really needs to change. Put your hand up. Or who's someone who's really resistant to change. Put your hand up. All right. Put your hand up if you know the person that really needs to change is the one that you're sitting next to. <laughs> I'm just so glad. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Turn to the person beside you, look them in the face and say, you need to change. I just tell you today, I'm happy that I'm not sitting next to my wife because she would have put her both hands up and said, yeah, he needs to change. <laughs> Funny you knew him at home. Man, he really needs to change. You know, um, we often desire change, but we're really resistant to it sometimes, aren't we? It's a whole lot more fun thinking about how other people can change. <laughs> I really ought to change. That, that really, they need to get their act together than it is to think about our own stuff because when we're dealing with our own stuff, it's a lot harder, isn't it? It's a lot more difficult. I want you to finish these sentences for me. You can take me. Okay. Uh, oh, dear God, please make me disappear. You can take me as you find me. Have I ever had that? People say, you can take me as you find me, like as if it's a badge of honour, never to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish, I wish uh, something happened there. Okay, you can take me as you find me. If you don't like it, you can lump it. Yeah. Or the other ones, if you don't like it, you can leave. All right? Who's ever said that to their kid? No, don't, just put your hands down, okay? <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't right. You know, we often settle for the status quo, don't we? We often settle for the status quo. We, we settle for what is, and often we settle for average. And I want you to listen. Put your hand up if you think average is awesome. Okay, okay, we've got a couple of people. All right, okay. I want you to listen to this description by... Edmund Gorday. It's about average. Average is what failures claim to be when their family and friends ask them why they are not more successful. Average is the top of the bottom. It's the best of the worst. It's the bottom of the top, the worst of the best. Average means being run of the mill, mediocre, insignificant, and also run and a non-entity.
Being average is a lazy person's cop-out. It's lacking the guts to take a stand in life. It's living by default. Being average is to take up space for no purpose. To take the trip through life, but never to pay the fare. To return no interest in God's investment in you. Being average is to pass one's life away with time, rather than to pass one's time away with life. It's to kill time rather than to work it to death. To be average is to be forgotten once you pass from this life. The successful are remembered for their contributions. The failures are remembered because they tried. But the average, the silent majority, is forgotten. To be average is to commit the greatest crime against oneself, humanity, and, what's, and one's God. The saddest epitaph is this. Here lies Mr. and Mrs. Average. Here lies the remains of what might have been, except for the belief that they were only average. Maybe some of you are sitting here today thinking, I've got this belief that I'm average. I'm just me. I'm no one special. When you are far from it, because if you believe that you're average, guess what you're going to be? You will be what? Average. Anyone here excited about being average? Anyone here want an average life, an average job, an average husband, an average wife, an average boyfriend, an average girlfriend, an average kids? Anyone here excited about that? Oh, boy, what a, I'd want to belong to an average church. Yeah, hallelujah. I want to be an average helper. Oh, yeah, count me in. I want to be an average singer, whoever. Oh, come on. None of us want to be average. Why do we live average and why do we accept average as being our standard? I tell you why, because it's, oh, it's easy. <laughs> we live on the coast, right? So let's just coast. The good news is that none of us need to be average. We can be open to growing, changing and becoming a change maker. And the, one of the key reasons why you're not average is because you have a God who invested his only son's life in you. You're here, you're not average. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 15 says this, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. See, the thing about God is all about change. That old life is giving you a new life. That's change. Amen? That is change. You move from an old life to a new life in Christ. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Now, that's not an average life right there. 
I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being an average Christian. Are you? We're anything but average. Old life is average. New life in Christ is anything but average. You've been saved because of your value, your purpose. So why live on average? Living for Christ, it's all about change. It's all about transformation. It's all about reformation. Change. Why be so resistant to change when change is there to empower and uplift and make things better? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and verses 20 to 21. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person, a new creation. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. But I see a lot of Christians like kind of like they're still in their old life when they're supposed to have a new life, but they're living like they're back then, but they're Christian. When you have Christ as your saviour, there's a new life, you're a new creation, there's a newness. You don't want to live average. So we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. (laughs) That's you and me. Can you believe that? Isn't that awesome? We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right, changed with God through Christ. It's only when you open yourself up to be changed that you can change and be changed and become a change maker. So where do you sense God leading you in your life to change? You know, Harriet Tubman became known as the underground railway conductor. She escaped from slavery herself. She could have just gone, yeah, I'm free now. Whew, man, I'm not going back there. Praise God, I'm not there, right? I'm free. Now, in Christ, we are what? Okay, that's a bit more conviction, shall we? In Christ, we are free. free. I like free, don't you? Who likes being locked up in their house? Anyone? Okay, let's not move away from that thought. I like free. We're free in Christ. But she, she got to her freedom. But then she decided over 13 missions to go back and rescue over 70 people, including some of her own family and friends. She wanted to be a change maker. And I believe she went on to be an activist for women's suffrage so that the ladies could vote. Has God ever given you a dream of what could be? For me, it's about building leaders that build other leaders for the king and the kingdom. 
It's helping people be awesome leaders. Have you, have, maybe you've put off a dream that God's given you for some area of change because you thought it was too big, too consuming, too out of your league. How could it be me to make a change? Are you disappointed with some aspects of what's going on in your community at the moment? Maybe you're disappointed at what's happening in church. Maybe you're disappointed about what's happening in school. Maybe you're disappointed about what's happening in your family. Maybe you're disappointed about your grades. Maybe you're disappointed in a lot of things. You know, the gap, disappointment really is the gap between your expectations and reality. That's disappointment. And if you're not happy, well, you can do one of three things. Number one, you can do nothing and just remain disappointed. Yeah, I'll just be disappointed all the time. Oh, I'm disappointed. That, oh, that's not up to my standard. Oh, you know, you hear it all the time. Just, just be disappointed. Number two, you could lower your expectations. That's an option, isn't it? The difference between disappointment is the difference between reality and your expectations. So you could always just lower those expectations, then you'd be happy all the time. Yeah, I'm happy. I just got no expectations. Or the third option is that you could be a change maker and do something to change reality so that your expectations and reality marry up. And then, guess what? You won't be walking around disappointed all the time. But to do that, we've got to become change makers because we're talking about changing the reality of what is to something better. In Matthew 19, verse 25 to 26, the disciples says, we're astounded. They said, then who in the world can be saved? They asked me, and Jesus looked at them intently, and he said, humanly speaking, it's absolutely impossible. But with God, <laughs> here it comes. With God, what? Okay, put your hand up if this week you thought God couldn't do what you thought God could do. On the one hand, we say that everything is possible with God, but on the other hand, we often live like it's not possible. Everything's possible with God. Whether God decides to answer your prayers to make the thing that you want to be possible, that's another thing. And sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because he knows things that we don't know about. And with God, there's always a time and there's always a place. And yes, sometimes our expectation with God, we deal with disappointment with God too, don't we? But everything is possible with God. To create positive change in our world, it requires someone to be the catalyst. And maybe that someone is you. Because every one of us have the capacity to be a catalyst. I want you to think of Moses, Joshua, Joseph, Daniel, 
David, Esther, Mary, Zacchaeus, Paul, the disciples. A catalyst is a person who creates positive change in their world through their ideas, actions, and influence. Ideas, actions, influence. Catalyst. Right? And to be a catalyst, you need to change first. Oh, you need to change. You need to change. No, if you want to be a catalyst, you have to be... The, a catalyst is the person that changes first. You've got to change first. Change begins... So how do you be a catalyst? Let's unpack this. Change begins with caring. I want to make a difference. Change stands up for a cause, doing something that makes a difference. And change spreads from me to we with people who want to make a difference. And change steps forward with urgency at a time that makes a difference. So here it is. I want to make a difference, doing something that makes a difference with people who want to make a difference at a time that makes a difference. That's being a catalyst. Now, let's put some practical wheels under this. Mother Teresa once said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters and create many ripples. So here's how you can create ripples of change. Number one, change from good intentions to good actions. From good intention, oh, one day I'm going to start something that's going to help. One day I'm going to help out at church. One day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to make a... Yeah. Change from good intentions to good actions. Dean Mallow was a guy who made a huge difference in his local community and, and managed to change a whole community that was really run down and dire need and there was lots of social issues. And he said, the smallest deed is greater than the largest of intentions. Do you like that? The smallest deed is greater than the largest of intentions. You can intend all you want, but just one small deed is going to make a change, right? The second thing is to become a possibilist. Look it up. It's actually a word, a possibilist. Now, if you're a pessimist, this is where you kind of exaggerate what can't be done. If you're an optimist, you kind of exaggerate what can be done. But if you're a possibilist, it simply means that you're a realistic optimist. And most of us could probably go to possibility therapy, right? Possibility. Oh, the problem. Oh, but what are the possibilities? The third thing on creating these ripples of change and being a change maker is to take ownership. 
is it really your dream to make a change in this particular aspect? And if it is, then you need to take 100% ownership of that because if you're not, you're deferring the responsibility to somebody else. Take ownership because it's only if you own it will you fulfill it. If you don't own it, you're not going to fulfill it. If you own it, you fulfill it. Use your past changes as inspiration for future change. You've made changes before. Every person here in this room has made a change, some kind of change. I think of the Lewis family. They made massive changes in, in the world. These guys over here, these are like the stars of changes. These two couples here, they're doing incredible things. That you talk about community change. Ask the Lewises, ask the Cahoons, how do they go about it? What do they do? Take ownership and use your past changes as inspiration for future change. Invite others to join the cause. Start with your family and friends, the people you already have influence with. Say, hey, do you want to join this cause? This, this is my dream. This is where I believe we can make a change. And I'm owning it. I'm inviting you to come into it and be in it with me. Let's do it. Focus on what you can do. Philippians 4.13, for I can do what? All things through Christ who gives me strength. Focus on what you can do, not on what you can't do. And the final point, just do something. For goodness sake, just do something. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. In summary, the change cycle just goes like this. I experiencing something, I experience something so life-changing that I change. And then I share something so life-changing that you change. And then we facilitate something so life-changing that others change. We can make excuses or we can make changes, but you can't do both. With God, all things are possible. You, every one of you, can be a change maker. May God help you take this to heart through the power of his Holy Spirit this morning so that you leave here knowing, I am a change maker. And I will make change. So help me God. Thank you.